You've heard us talk about quarterbacks almost every episode this offseason, but now it's time to flip to the defensive side of the ball and talk about draft corners. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you all for tuning in and making us your first listen today. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sports partner of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. I'm Zach Hicks, and I'm joined today by not Jonathan Hagler, not Jake Arthur, but Rashad McGinnis, one of my co- my colleagues over there at HorseshoeHuddle.com. You guys can also check him. Uh, what, what's your podcast you do with John Ledyard? I, I love that podcast. Oh, oh Audibles and Analytics. Oh, it's such a great podcast. You guys, if you're into that, some of that draft stuff, go over there. They break down some great stuff. And obviously, Shad does his podcast with Destin here with Horseshoe Huddle. Uh, so you guys can hear Shad everywhere. Uh, and before we get into our topic for today, uh, yes, Jonathan Hagler was going to jump on with me, but he had something come up. And if you guys are not really interested in the cornerback talk, go listen to our thing earlier uh, yesterday. I think uh, Jake did a live stream uh, talking Anthony Richardson with with a guy. So don't worry, you guys still got your quarterback fix. But Shad and I, we're, we're both draft nerds. We love yeah. the draft. And it's kind of been breaking our heart a little bit that you guys are only interested in the quarterback <laughs> this offseason. Because typically, man, we're just, you know, I'm putting out like hundreds of draft articles. Like, I'm still doing a little bit of that. But like, yeah, we're getting some good co- conversation going about draft stuff. But this year, it's just Richardson, Levis. That's all people want to hear about. <laughs> so, you know, if you guys actually want to hear some draft nerds talking about the draft, that's what this episode is for. We're going to talk about cornerbacks. Cornerbacks that the Colts could target here on day two, on day three, maybe of the NFL draft. And and shot, I told you before we jump on today, I have my big three. I call these my big three corners that I think the Colts could like at pick 35, pick whatever if they trade back, maybe 79 if they get lucky and they still have that pick. Uh, but I, I think uh, these are my three, my big three. I think Indy's gonna love this draft cycle. And that's Kelly Ringo from from Georgia awesome cornerback we'll talk about him first Julius Brents from Kansas State and Darius Rush from South Carolina so let's talk about Kelly Ringo here you guys can see my little header if you're on YouTube that I have Kelly Ringo C3 because I think this cornerback is the perfect fit for Gus Bradley like if you think a classic cover three Gus Bradley type of corner I think that's Ringo from Georgia yeah, and he's a classic Chris Ballard, heightway speed guy, right? You know, yeah. he's a Tracy guy. That that's when Gus Bradley and and Chris Ballard has a baby. It's Kelly Ringo. You know, uh, definitely a great athlete. You know, I love the way he takes away inside leverage from from the cornerback. I mean, from wide receivers on the outside. You know, he 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 turns he turns his back almost toward the quarterback, and he has this little side kick step that he does when receivers try to release on him. And it's so smooth the way he does it because he's such a big guy. You wouldn't think his technique would be that good, but he's actually solid with his technique. You know, I think he has a little trouble tracking, but I don't think that'll be a problem with him at the next level because the process is good. You know, you see some of those guys that don't have elite ball production in college, but you like the process, you know, 
then pretty much that'll change at the next level. As long as the process stay good, he gets his head around, he finds the ball when the ball is in the air, he doesn't panic, gets a little handsy at sometimes, but that's pretty much almost all these cornerbacks that we're looking at and we're evaluating at this level. I think he is perfect for for those vertical matchups in the cover three that he's going to get a lot. And the size and his length is going to bother guys out on the boundary, especially when he gets a chance to squeeze those those wide receivers to the, toward the sideline, which is what he's fantastic at. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a guy where, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking like a pure man coverage scheme, like if I'm only doing press or I'm doing some off man and stuff like that, I'm nervous with Ringo. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I just, I don't think he has the lateral ability to, mm-hmm. to be a stout corner in that type of scheme. But when you're talking this cover three, where you're going to be up at the line every now and then maybe doing some bump and run type stuff, pinching to the sideline, like you said, uh, but typically you're going to be in that back shuffle that he loves to be in. And he is, uh, if you guys don't know, there's two types of techniques when it comes to getting depth at cornerback, you know, you can backpedal like everyone is taught mm-hmm. when they're a little kid, or you can do the Alabama and the Georgia type thing of side shuffle. You know, you can shuffle backwards and you're kind of breaking on those in breaking routes. And it kind of gives those big lanky corners uh, more of a more of a advantage than kind of having to like transition out of that backpedal. You know, it takes more steps to transition out of that backpedal. So if you're side shuffling back, you can transition in earlier. And it's great with those big lengthy guys because you're typically having to play through contact more doing that uh, because you're opening it up a little bit more. But I think Ringo is perfect at that. Uh, he had some really, really good reps on film. Uh, Cedric Tillman, uh, he had a really nice interception against Tillman in that uh, in that Tennessee game this year. Yeah, I, I'm sold. I'm, I'm completely sold. If he's there at 35, I know that there's temptation to trade back, especially if they end up moving pick number 79. Hint, hint. <laughs> if they end up moving pick 79, you want to move back. But I think if Ringo's there at 35, you just got to pull the trigger. Like, cornerback yeah. is that important. And I think he's that much of a good fit. Like the, the early early results might not be great because he's he has a little handsy, but I think long term he's such a great fit in that Gus Bradley scheme. Yeah, and when you look at uh, even when you talk about the body size, he's such a different size guy than what cornerbacks you have in a room. You know, we're talking about a room that consists of Isaiah Rogers, Kenny Moore, and Dallas Flowers. You know, you need that big physical cornerback that Gus Bradley likes. Gus Bradley probably looks at the rest of the cornerback room and is like, where are my guys? You know, yeah. Well, I know there's certain a couple of guys that we're hoping, one in particular that they target in free agency, that would be another guy right, right in this kind of mold that we're talking about. But Bradley wants to get some of those bigger bodies in here, man. Do not think for one second he's not pounding the table for a guy like Keely Ringo and, and, and these other two guys that has great size as well. But I think Ringo is just, the, the best athlete of those guys and the best just pure cornerback for his for his size at the position out yeah. of these three that we're going to discuss. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's the most NFL ready. I think he's mm-hmm. the guy from day one. You feel comfortable yeah. putting him out there like you're not going to put him on an island every single rep, but you feel comfortable enough with him out there on an island. Now, these other two guys, I think they're more in that raw mold here. Julius Brents from Kansas State, some really, really good stuff on film, but inconsistency and the lack of long speed definitely do show up. And then Darius Rush, the former wide receiver, moved corner at South Carolina. Which of these guys do you have higher currently on your board? Because I think they're they're pretty close for me. They're both upside guys. They're both raw guys, but I love both. I think both are great for this team. I I have Darius Rush just a a, a tad bit higher than Julius Brent, just because like Darius Rush has bad reps. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. Uh, We talked about his matchup with uh, Rasheed Rice, but the the TCU game just give me nightmares and, and I told I talked to you about it I, I believe that was yesterday I may have DM'd you about it telling you watching Julius Prince 
guard Quentin Johnson just gave me nightmares. But yeah. one thing that I do like about it is that he wouldn't be asked to do what he was asked to do at Kansas State in this Colts system, you know, this Gus Bradley mm-hmm. system where he's just carrying, got pretty much carrying guys ver- vertically and with his length and the way he disrupts guys throughout their route. That's what I like about him with that physicality. He disrupts the timing of, of wide receivers all the time throughout the route, you know, and he's going to get called for a lot of that early on until he gets a feel for how things is. So I do like that about Julius Prince, but I just think Darius Rush has the best height, size and speed combination out of him and Julius Brent. So that's what I that's what I do like about him. I think his makeup speed is pretty good when the ball gets in the air. Sometimes he panics though and, and you can tell it, it's really obvious on film. But the kind of lint that both of these guys have, you know, it's kind of like you're splitting hairs when you're talking about uh prospects. So I'd just rather go with the faster guy it, when you have similar profiles like that. And I think that's Darius Rush by far. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think yeah. Julius Prince is a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal For athlete. Sure. Like he, great athlete. I think honestly, if we were still in the Matt Eberflus scheme, like you already send that pick in at thirty-five. Because if you're only asking him to cover those short zones and occasionally drop a little bit deeper, oh man, that is a perfect fit. That is a little bit more in this Gus Bradley scheme. He's going to have to open up and get vertical, which again, the long speed comes in. Quentin Johnson is a phenomenal wide receiver and just had his way with him at times. It was it was a good little battle, but it was just the, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the low lights for Brents were were low lights for sure um yeah it was so, just a couple of bad reps that was really bad but it wasn't yeah. like he got dominated throughout the game you know no, he had an interception that game if you're talking on, about the second on, one on a short fade ball <laughs> it was a short fade that uh dug that it dug it through. oh my god <laughs> such a terrible throw it was, <laughs> it was awful it was awful but it was good it was it was a good route but or a good rep by, by yeah it was here. a good rep for sure he had <laughs> but, good position on it yeah, so if we're talking about these big three guys, I think all three are going to be really much in play for the Colts in, in the second round, maybe the third round. Maybe Rush gets there in the third Rush, round yeah. of Brents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those guys might get there in round three. But overall, the way I view it is Ringo's the most ready guy to play. He's the guy you're going to take higher. Uh, Brents and Rush, I think, are both high upside guys. Rush is that former wide receiver is going to give you some good ball production. Yeah. Uh, and then Brents is that guy who – he might he might be like another Rocky Sin type in the NFL where he just consistently locks it down, just doesn't have like a thousand interceptions or anything like that. But that's a good corner to have. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think these big three, I think it's a good chance one of these guys ends up the Colts uh, if they end up going corner in round two uh, this next month. I think if uh, I think one of those guys probably makes it to to seventy nine. It's so realistic with such a deep corner graph. You know, you're looking at so many guys. You know, we reeled off a bunch of them, but when you're talking about specific Colts fits. I think these three guys fits fits that kind of mold, you know, and, and I know we'll talk about some other guys a little bit later, but with the, the amount of depth in this corner class, I think it's realistic that you can see one of these guys definitely make it there at 79. You know, if the Colts are going to trade back at 35, then, you know, Killy Ringo's probably out of the picture because he should be a top 40 pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Coming up, guys, we're going to talk about some other corners that we like maybe later on day two, maybe into the day three type of range. But first, the NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. For new customers, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. 
Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Wow, I hit that NBA a little different than normal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I usually go (laughs) NBA and I went NBA. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let, let's get into some more corner talk here. And I'm going to throw out my first guy. And this is a guy you and I were talking a little bit before the show. Mm-hmm. I like Jacorian Bennett a good bit from Maryland. I think this is a guy where, as of right now, he is an athlete playing corner. <laughs> like, he's yeah. not a cornerback. Like, he, he does a lot of good things. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that he's like this super hyper raw guy. Like, there are some good things on film. But what you're getting when you draft him is an athlete that I can mold. You know, this is a four threes guy. Uh, jump, I think he jumped like 40 inches as well. Like just super yeah. explosive, super fast, really, really smooth and quick feet on film as well. Uh, gets up there and gets competitive and press. And then on, on top of all that, has experience as a gunner. Uh, I think he blocked a kick on on kick on like, um, I think it was on a field goal this year. He blocked a yeah. kick against Michigan. Uh, did that, was a gunner. Uh, it came up through the Juco route, Hutchinson Community College, and, and worked his way up to Maryland and became a starter too. Like, impressive journey, special teams background. Like, I think this is a guy where if you're sitting there in round four and you see that profile and you see what he's been through and see how he's gotten to where he is, that is the type of guy I want. Because day one, I can throw him at gunner and know I'm going to get a top-tier gunner. And then one day, I might get a pretty good corner out of him. So when I'm identifying, like, day three type guys – I look at that type of profile right there and I say, okay, there we go. Day one, you're going to be something for me. And maybe even later, you're going to be something even better. Yeah. You know, from talking to teams, you know, that's what they look for. They look for the athletes on day three that can play special teams. That yep. Those those two things is, is things that they're going to bet on every time when it comes to day three. And I really like Ja'Cory and Ben's game. I mean, at, athletic profile. Is off the charts. You know, I, I think the ball production could be could be better, but right. you know, he's so raw that like if you could just get the process down with his athletic traits, you know, you can have something there. You know, in the Isaiah Rogers mode, Isaiah Rogers was one in it's just a special teamer, but the process was always good with him, even throughout college. So it naturally translated over to the NFL And when a lot of people thought that he was too small or he was limited, limited physically. But I don't see that any of that with Jacorian Bennett. Um, a guy that I'm looking at is Eli Ricks. Eli Ricks uh, started out at LSU, was on that famous LSU team that went undefeated, was arguably college football's best team, you know, and, he, he got a lot of playing time then as a freshman. He mm-hmm. eventually transferred to, to Alabama, and I got a chance to see him at his pro day, and he looked good, man. He was moving well. He's a, he's a bigger guy. We know that, you know, the, the coach like bigger guys. I think he he challenges receivers at the line of scrimmage. So so whatever team that, that does pick him, you want to use him at the line of scrimmage. You want to let him – allow him to use his length. He, he's at active hands, very, very active hands at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's perfect for those bigger body guys that you may match up with. He, he's a, a bigger body that you can throw at those guys. If you ask him to play man coverage, it, it, it won't work out well. His lateral movement is not great. <laughs> it, uh, I don't like him in off coverage. I think he reacts slow when he's diagnosing routes. Uh, he's not particularly fluid. But these are things that, you know, you you hope you can coach and you can coach out of him. You can work on his technique. I think his foot, feet are a little choppy when receivers break down. But those are things that, you know, with practice reps and just continuing coaching, 
you can't coach that physicality and that length, though, that he brings instantly from day one. And he's been to two proven programs where he's played a lot and he's had a lot of snaps throughout the COVID years and, and the years after that, you know, at Alabama and at LSU. So the pedigree's there. You just That's somebody you might take a gamble on, you know, on day three, and, and who knows what, what he might produce. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I love Alabama corners so much. I, I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, they come into the league at such an advanced level in terms of understanding how to run match coverage, how to do step kick at the line of scrimmage and press. You know, that's a big Saban thing as well. Yeah. Uh, that's why I love Jalen Armour Davis last year out of Alabama. Ah. I just... I like those types of guys, those guys who are long, physical, and come from that Bama scheme. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I actually like Tony Brown back in the day, too, who's on who's on Indy right Once now. Once upon so. a time, right? <laughs> Once upon a time. Once upon a time there. So my next guy, I'm going to go kind of a deep cut here, and I've talked about him a lot on social media and talked about mm-hmm. him in some articles and stuff. UAB corner Starling Thomas V. Mm. Now, this is a guy who I don't believe he got the combine invite. He did. Uh, he, he did shine at the Shrine Bowl, a uh, very good week down there at the Shrine Bowl, a bit of a smaller guy. You know, I think he's like five, nine, like 180, not not the not the biggest type of dude. But when you look at his profile, oh, my gosh, I love it. Four two eight forty time, four two eight, four two eight, super explosive. Now, he didn't have the greatest agilities, but neither did Isaiah Rogers. It, it's, it's kind of the same type of thing there. Um, if you look at. I like to do these things where I filter things on pro football focus, like their advanced stats and stuff like that. Okay. And, and if you would, if you do filters on this past season from cornerbacks that are draft eligible and you look at forced incompletion rate. So how many targets or how many targets came that corners way that they forced an incompletion on. If you look at forced incompletion rate and look at completion percentage allowed against, and you look at like the top five to 10 guys in each of those, you'll see Devin Witherspoon, you'll see DJ Turner, you'll see, uh, you know, all these top tier corners. And yeah. then you see Starling Thomas up there. Starling like, Thomas. What like, in the world are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he allowed a reception on 37% of his targets last season. Uh, only, I think he had like a 29% forced incompletion rate. So 29% of the targets that came his way, he forced an incomplete pass. Now he was tested down the field a lot too. Like a lot of these were getting targeted deep down the field and he made plays on the ball and he broke up a lot of passes like Starling Thomas, the fifth and, and Oh, and another thing to go to his profile, special teams background, punt returner last year for the team played some gunner as well. So I think when you're looking at him and you're looking at like an Isaiah Rogers type in that round six to seven range, like this is the type of guy you target a guy who is hyper athletic, hyper fast, had a good offseason at that Shrine Bowl and had some amazing stats to back it up there at college. Like he got better every year. First team all conference this year as well. Like Starling Thomas is a guy where, you know, late day three, again, I'm pounding the table to get that kind of profile. Yeah, man. I, I saw you first mention him. And, and when I instantly, you know, the four, the 40 times always grab our attention. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I saw four to eight in the headline and I was like, holy, let me click this. You know, <laughs> like that's instantly what I thought. And, so it made me curious about him, and he's really smooth, man. He's a smooth cornerback for you know. I wasn't expecting to see that. He was a pleasant surprise. It's one of those one of those guys, and I'm sure you've done this. You know, you go to watch somebody else, and then you just see this other guy over there, and you're like, "Why have I not been paying attention to him? Why have I heard about him?" You know, it was. Uh, I, I tell Destin about it all the time. I throw it in his face when we was watching Jelani Woods after he was drafted by the Colts, and then I went. And I was watching Dontavian Wicks. I'm like, who yeah. the heck is this guy? You know, he was destroying people. And so I asked 
I asked the beat writer that we had on about Dontavian Wicks and, and fast forward a year later. Now, now that's Destin's favorite, favorite receiver, by the way. So I, I never let him forget. But Starling Thomas was one of those guys, you know, like you, you watch him and he's at a smaller school, but he's so sound technically and, and fundamentally. And he's a freak almost athletically, you know, so you want to give that guy a shot, especially just because he's not the ideal size to go early. But if he was at a bigger program, he would have a different set of eyes on him. He'd be talked about entirely different. He'd be amongst these groups of guys that they're talking about on early day two, because I think he has that type of potential. It's just the exposure and the level of competition is a concern, but I think he has the opportunity to make this, to legit make this team and, and challenge for playing time down the road, of course. I think he'll earn his bones on special teams. And, you know, if you just hang around long enough, uh, opportunity presents itself. I mean, remember Baltimore game two years ago where the coach, <laughs> coach ran through the whole secondary and, and had almost a place kicker out there at safety, you know. So yeah. just hang around, man. Just hang around, find a role. Uh, just go from year to year and eventually you'll get your shot. And I think he's one of those guys that can end up sticking long-term. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about him is, you know, uh, he, he was up against his a flowers a lot at the shrine bowl, which mm. that's a first round wide receiver that you're going against. Yeah. So that, that, and yeah. you know, in those, in those matchups right there, you know, for a fact that it's heavily skewed towards wide receivers. Uh, and he was out there still competing. I, I know it's, it sucks, but he was out there. Competing. What it was, man. Right. It's so tough right. for those cornerbacks. I feel for him. Yep, yep. And the, and the last thing I'll say about him too is uh it sucks that we weren't able to have Hag on here because Hag was telling me the other day he's like he's known that kid since he was in like ninth grade. Like he trained that kid back really? in the day. Really? Yeah. So Hag knows him from quite a bit back. The Colts are interested. He has the top 30 uh visit with the Colts, yeah. I think. Uh so that's what we'll say about Starling Thomas. I love him. I hope the Colts love him as much as they're kind of showing. Uh and we'll we'll throw in one more corner here, Shad. And you kind of mentioned him before we recorded here. Now, mm-hmm. if we're talking size. <laughs> this is the weirdest size profile I've ever seen from a corner. We're oh talking boy. a six foot one guy who's 166 pounds, right? Isn't he like six one? He's six one, 166. Yeah. Yep. Six one, 166. <laughs> he spent his whole career at a power five conference. Like they couldn't get him above 166. <laughs> that's that's crazy. And his physical profile, man, I mean, he was athletically test well. He ran a 4-3-5, had a 1-4-8 split, 10-11 on a broad jump. His vert was around 38. You know, and the ball production, he has the best ball production in college football. You know, six six pick sixes, uh, five interceptions as a freshman. You know, he was all freshman. Uh, He's just ridiculous when it comes to his ball production, but – He's so small, man. Like that's when my when it goes to my strength, my strengths and weaknesses. I got them listed. My first weaknesses is it's like he's just really small. Like yeah. he's really small, but he plays with great instinct, anticipation. They use him as a blitzer. He he's really good closing and makeup speed. I, I think he's best when he's off coverage. But he's shown up. He's shown the best ability so far out of the guys I watch. I mean, besides the. Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, just the mirror and match guys. Like, if you watch him, he's really smooth when he's flipping his hips. The technique is there. I love the footwork. But I just don't know if the coach will ever take anybody that's under 170 pounds, <laughs> like, like, at cornerback. Like, that is yeah. insane. That would probably make Bradley toss and turn at night if he did that. Yeah. By the way, guys, we're talking about Emmanuel Forbes here from Mississippi State. Oh, we didn't say his name? I realized I didn't say his name. I was more joking about his size and I didn't say his name. Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah. No, if you guys are looking at like draft sites and stuff and you're like, 
this has to be a misprint. Like, there's no way a guy's 166 pounds at 6'1". Yeah. yeah, no, he's like if you watch him, he looks 100. Like he, he does. His, his waist is like that big. Like, <laughs> and he wears the cutoff jersey, so you can see too. Like he shows it off, like that he's thinner than the rest of us. Yeah, he he's a fascinating prospect because like the ball production and the movement ability and he actually comes up and tries to hit like he, he does he throws, yeah he throws his body around it's just he, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty he does get bullied a little bit because he's yeah. a, he's a paperweight like <laughs> he, he he really is man i can see jump contested pat because has contested balls with bigger receivers it's gonna be just probably a yeah. nightmare for him if he can't if he can't bother him with his length then he's going to be obsolete in, that, in those type of situations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know today's NFL is a little bit different about how we, it's more important for how guys move and how quick they are and how they can get into those passing lanes. But man, he is so tiny. Yeah. There's a physical element still involved here. And I know like, for instance, like last year with the Colts, we all thought Brandon Faison was a better run defender than Isaiah Rogers because of size where Rogers was a much better run defender than Faison last year, like easily. But again, Rogers is still like 180. <laughs> like, exactly. Like just the thing, Isaiah Rogers is 15 pounds on him. Like that yeah. is crazy. Yeah, that Kenny's like 190. Like, like these are little corners that the Colts <laughs> have, and they're like 180, 190. Uh, I know when you get in the NFL, you could you could probably put on a good 10 pounds or so of like muscle and like good weight, but like that's tiny. That is so Mike, tiny. Mike, Hil- Mike Hilton is 183. Like, there we go. There, like, you know what? Maybe he can get close to that. I don't know. But I, I love Emmanuel Forbes on film. I love what he can do as a player. I just, I don't see the Colts being interested in him, but I'm interested. I like him. You know, <laughs> just wait alone. Yeah. Like, like, wait, like Clark Phillips might be the smallest cornerback in the draft. I think he's like 5'8. He's still 184. <laughs> 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 like, that's it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous how much of an outlier Emmanuel Forbes is. I've literally never saw a cornerback with that profile since I've been watching football. Yeah, well, you know what? This whole draft is about the tiny outliers. You know, if you want a wide receiver, you got to get like a Josh Downs or or yep. uh, Nathaniel Dell from Houston, who are like the uh-huh. tiniest wide receivers I've ever seen. We're gonna we're gonna have a top two pick at quarterback, who's 170 pounds as well. We're gonna have wide receivers and corners going super like this is a tiny, tiny class. This is what happens when seven on seven football becomes so big. Everyone's tiny. <laughs> like, this is you're, you're right about that. I didn't yeah. even think about that correlation, but that's that that makes a lot of sense. We're look, we're we're for the senior bowl clips. That's all we're playing for. We're not actually trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> Nathaniel, Nathaniel Dell yeah. Del has did it. He broke the senior bowl this, this year on Twitter <laughs> for sure. It's always the tiny guys, man. All right, guys. I think that's all we have for today. Uh we'll we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to talk probably more quarterback. That's all we really talk about on this show. Yes, but funny. yeah, but we'll we'll get in some corner stuff. We'll get in some wide receiver stuff, some offensive line. We have a whole month still to go until the draft. So we still have a lot of more positions to cover than just quarterback and, and today corner. So make sure you guys are following at Locked On Colts, at Jake Arthur NFL, at Zach Hicks 2, and at Shad McGinnis all on Twitter. Also subscribe to Locked On Colts podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. And thanks for making Locked On Colts your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. 
Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll see you guys tomorrow.